Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar copays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Misery, as always here with Mike Bunt. We're going to be breaking down the AFC East, where we think everybody fits on the depth chart, on the rankings, and more. We have a lot to go over with you guys today, but we'll be right back, and we're looking forward to this one. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. We have an action-packed edition today going through the AFC East where the Bills rank most recently and some most recent results second in a lot of categories right now behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll break down the Jets and what's going on in their OTAs. They had had the injury bug scare today. The Dolphins and uh, Tua's progression as well as what the Patriots have going on and more. But first, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's beautiful outside. Uh, Bills have OTAs going underway right now. So uh, there's some stuff to talk about today uh, as we hit the quieter part of the NFL offseason. Sure is the quiet part, but it doesn't. There's still always a news cycle, Mike. We had most recently some some rumblings of of DeAndre Hopkins circling back around. We've had some, you know, who's where across the OTAs, who's playing what position. So really, the downtime in the NFL is weeks not months. Um, so it's always interesting that even during the late May period, as we hit, as we reach, you know, Memorial day and then into June, uh, there's still going to be news. There's going to be mandatory mini camp and OTAs coming up here in the middle of June. So the NFL news cycle really doesn't stop. Um, so most excitingly today we had OTAs. We had some, some interesting nuggets on the bills end. To start with you have Terrell Bernard out there, um, you know, kind of playing alongside Dorian Williams right now. And, you know, Sean McDermott finally came out of his his little uh, shell and said Dorian Williams is playing middle linebacker. I thought it was about time. You know, you read kind of read the tea leaves of they had a gaping hole at middle linebacker. They didn't go out and draft the third string will. 
um, outside linebacker. They definitely had plans for him to be their Mike. They like a lot of what he can do, his wingspan, his height, weight, speed. He's 4'4'9", guys, actually faster than Tremaine Edmonds. There's actually a lot of things that he compares very well, besides height. Obviously, we all know the height difference. He matches up extremely well with Tremaine Edmonds in a lot of different categories, especially Tremaine coming out, not not the five-year developed Tremaine Edmonds. The Edmonds coming out as an outside linebacker, that Tremaine Edmonds. So just some brief stats I wanted to get to. Dorian Williams, 6'2", 230, 33.7 inch arms, 10 inch hands, 4'4", 940, uh, 120 broad jump. Tremaine Edmonds, 34.5 inch arms, 9.5 inch hands, 4'5", 640, 117 broad jump. So in a lot of ways, Dorian Williams has a lot of the measurables over him outside of a little weight and a, a couple inches. So what do you take away from what Brandon Bean and, or excuse me, Sean McDermott said today with the Dorian Williams comments and others that he, you know, kind of, as he's starting to get back into coaching. I mean, not to belittle it, but come on, Kev, we've been talking since he was drafted that he was going to be a middle linebacker. I know what Brandon Bean said the night uh, he was selected that he would start out at outside linebacker and focus on special teams, but come on, there was a gap at middle linebacker. They weren't taking him to just, be a developmental piece that they would put some time in. Yeah, it might take a, a little while before he's acclimated and he's ready to go as a starter. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's stating the obvious. It, 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 he fits from a physical standpoint. It's just can he now learn the game and be able to process the game at a level where he can be a solid middle linebacker going forward. And it's pretty interesting to me because – at no stage did I ever think that he wasn't going to play middle. If he comes in and they, I mean, the bills on draft night wanted you to think like, okay, special teamer, he's going to work his way into the role. You didn't want to get Dodds in there. You have Klein just signed. You had a couple of guys, you know, even Bernard still on the roster, you know, Matikavich, you know, you had a couple of guys still there, but you didn't want to just give the guy the job all, all, all intents and purposes. It's his job. Whether AJ Klein starts week one of the preseason or not, I'm not sure. Probably. But I do believe by the end of this that Dorian Williams is your starting middle linebacker unless he comes in and struggles and he just doesn't get it. Sure, as a late third-round pick, that's very possible. But I think you're going to get a season of lots of rookie time. It's going to be the opposite of last year. Everyone's like, we don't play rookies. The Bills don't play rookies. Look at what the Chiefs do. You know, I think this year not only going to get Kyir playing, you're going to get James Cook playing. You're going to get Khalil Shakir playing. Uh, so this year you're going to get, obviously, Osiris Torrance. You're going to get Dorian Williams playing. You're going to get Dalton Kincaid. So you're going to have six-plus sophomore slash rookies playing uh, meaningful snaps on this team. So I think it's going to be a finally a shift where you're going to be able to see some of these guys and we'll a little bit of shorter this year is I think it's possible. And then, and then obviously Benford. So you're going to have some fringe guys as well, logging some, some pure minutes, Mike. So what do you think of kind of that youth movement from those six to eight players? I mean, I'm excited about it because it's always cool to see new blood uh, on the bills roster and guys getting playing time. And there's definitely some guys from this class alone that uh, you expect to contribute uh, a little bit on the field. Uh, obviously, the the main uh, person that comes to mind first is Dalton Kincaid. How will he fit into the Bills' offense? We're all excited to see if he's going to be a dynamic playmaker right away, or will they slowly uh, bring him into the offense? I think, based on everything that Bean has said about him starting out wide receiver, there is the opportunity to really carve out a solid role right out of the the gate for him. Osiris Torrance, he's going to have a chance to win that starting right guard battle. And you go forward 
uh, with Dorian Williams. You just mentioned him and how he fits in. And then some of those second-year players. Uh, James Cook is now going to go into this season, I believe, as the number one running back on this team. Might not be your prototypical number one and a guy that will never really be the 15 to 20 carry guy that people think of when they think of a number one running back, but James Cook is going to get that opportunity. Will Khalil Shakir be more uh, involved in the picture uh, this season? I think we all believe that Kyrie Kyrie Elam will probably be the number two corner across from Trey White this year. So there is going to be some youth uh, on this roster that's going to get time this year. And, and that's needed because when you have Josh on on the contract that he has now, you're going to need some of these young players to step up and play valuable minutes. Now, that doesn't mean you force them into situations when you have guys ahead of them that are better, um, that uh, are already in roles. But when needed, they need to step up. For sure. And I think the Dorian Williams, like I'm, I'm excited because I think he is going to – you know, people were a little bit apprehensive of the pick, but I think he's going to start to become a fan favorite uh, across the board, you know, a little bit, you know, the, the crazy rhetoric around Terrell Bernard and what he's going to be. I mean, I think he was a pure plan to replace Milano. If for some reason he was hurt or he walked or something happened there and they went Tremaine first, and then you would plug in Terrell, uh, Terrell Bernard kind of happened the opposite where now they're kind of stacked at that. will. I just truly believe in my heart of hearts that they deemed him to be the guy, as you see Brandon being on the uh, embedded series, say, basically look at his scouts and say, Dallas took the other one. And that was in Demarion Overshone, a guy that Dallas took one pick ahead of them. And they took the other one. So you can kind of interpret that the other one, meaning thank God that they took the other linebacker. Oh, or we had two that we wanted. They went with the other one. So we have one left. So you could kind of interpret it either way, but I do believe that the bills, did pigeonhole this. They wanted a pass catcher, Mike. We talked about it on this show many, many times. They wanted one in the first round. It was very obvious. They got one. In the second round, by all counts, the depth in the draft was at offensive linemen. It was a really offensive lineman-heavy second round. The Bills participated as well and got to their right guard of the future and the present. I mean, he was one of the best guard prospects in a while. Much talked about in the first round. The Bills got him you know, kind of late in the second. And then I think the plan always was – the moral of the story here, the plan always was attack linebacker in the third round, in my opinion, based on the board. And I do think with that plan came Dorian Williams. So I do, I do think in this case, he was a guy that they designated to be a possible fill. And maybe beside, um, you know, Jack Campbell, which we'll never know what they thought of him. Mookie, uh, Mookie Hawkins asked him and, you know, he didn't, Brandon Bean didn't answer the question about Jack Campbell. However, he didn't have to, cause he was already gone. But in this case, I do think that I don't know. I think they wanted maybe Dorian Williams beside Jack Campbell might have been the top of who they wanted to come out of this draft with, because I don't know how much they like Simpson. We don't know how much they like Drew Sanders. We don't know how much they like uh, Overshone. We don't know how much they like some of the other guys in this draft. Obviously, we do know they like Dorian Williams. And I think some of his height, weight, speed measurables is going to be interesting that will we have potentially three starters in some form or fashion starting uh, as rookies, I think it's very possible that they they could kind of pull away with that this year. I think it's going to be interesting to track OTAs and uh, training camp as we get as we get going, Mike. But with that being said, do you expect kind of on the topic? Do you expect Osiris Torrance to just take the right right guard spot and push Bates to the six lineman? I, I'm expecting him to win the competition, but I don't think it's a hundred percent guaranteed it's going to play out that way. I, I do think it's going to be a competition between the two of them. The coaching staff has shown in the past they don't just hand out jobs to rookies based on 
where they're selected. You have to earn a starting position on this team. So if Osiris Torrance comes out in camp and he struggles, I am not going to assume that he'll be the day one starter at right guard. Uh, but if he comes out and he's doing just as well as Bates, things are equal, well, then you you might give him a slight advantage just because you know that Bates has that versatility that could slot in anywhere else uh, on the line needed while Osiris Torrance is essentially going to be a right guard for you with, with the way mm-hmm. things are panning out with this offensive line currently. And our favorite topic at the Going Deep podcast now is at the wide receiver position. It seems to be one of our favorite points of topic. Uh, pass catchers, pass catchers, pass catchers, whatever you want to consider Dalton Kincaid. I do expect him to have a heavy role, 50-plus catches, 500-plus yards, 5-plus touchdowns, something that's very reasonable for a rookie tight end. Um for me. So the pass catching position is one that I'm monitoring closely. So let's put Knox and Kincaid aside for right now. Uh, let's talk about the receiver room though. And you had no stuff on digs today and much talked about there. However, you had Gabe Davis seemed to be on a really good page with Josh Allen. He's in a contract year. Still wouldn't be shocked by some form of long-term commitment to him at some point here this off season. You had Trent Sherfield called out by Josh Allen today, which was a really interesting note. Yes. It's just training camp, but um, the special teams ability of him, plus the, you know, the upgrade at, at the slot and what he's able to do across the field, it's going to be interesting. I think he's an upgrade from obviously from his counterpart last year, which would have been Jay Kumaro. So I think that you're going to get a special teamer that can play receiver rather than a special teamer who might have a play or two on offense. So I think you're going to get a receiver in this case that can play special teams. So it's going to be interesting to monitor Shurefield because I do believe uh, getting called out early by Josh Allen's a pretty good sign to getting some snaps uh, going forward. And there's only a few guys not at training, uh, not at OTAs on the offensive side. So, uh, you know, Greg Mance wasn't there, obviously, Stefan Diggs. So just, you know, really just a small portion of the roster and Latavius Murray who were not there. So not nothing huge. Um, and look, we've seen some DeAndre Hopkins rumors real quickly. Wanted to touch on this for two minutes. Um coming from some sources from the bill side, ECB, a guy um, that has gotten a few things right. We've seen other him, uh, him himself say he wants to play with Josh Allen. We've seen Pat McAfee kind of double down. We've seen Vaughn say today that he seemed to be talking about the bills. Um, and there's some marriage. He got he used some marriage comparison thing that kind of confused me where he was like, we like each other, but you know, basically Vaughn was saying he needs to be let go by Arizona. That's, that's what Vaughn Miller was saying. So that's just a really interesting kind of, piece of the puzzle here that I do believe if he's ever cut Mike I would not be shocked that the Bills try to get it done it does seem like and and across the league there's some sources inside Arizona who agree that the Bills right now are the number one fit I don't know if Kansas City's cooled off New England obviously you know he might not want to play there what happens if he becomes available in 10 days Mike I mean you have to kind of consider a role for him if he wants to play there and he's willing to work out the numbers Yeah, I mean, if he becomes available, you definitely pursue it and see what it'll take to bring him in. As Greg Thompson has tweeted out, right now the the current situation is not easy and not likely uh, to happen the way things currently stand. The Bills would have to do a lot of maneuvering, and they would probably need some help from Arizona to make things work at the current moment. If he becomes a free agent, then maybe there's more flexibility there on the Bills' part. I definitely think you'd have to – at least look into it with everything he's said about Josh Allen and wanting to play for a steady organization. You'd be stupid to not at least reach out to his camp and, and ask him what it would take to, to make something happen. I still think this is 
far from likely, in my opinion, just due to what will need to happen. Assuming Arizona is competent enough to realize we don't need this distraction, we don't uh, want any uh, impending issues next season. Well, maybe Arizona would do the right thing in that scenario. I don't think I can count on the Cardinals management just getting rid of him at this point in time. Uh, it's certainly possible, but we, we thought it was possible before the draft. They held on to him then. Uh, no one gave up the draft capital or uh, gave them what they were looking for in a trade. I, I, I would love to pursue it. I just still don't think it's, it's that likely going forward at this point. But, but you never know. It, it seems like most of the smoke is coming from DeAndre Hopkins' camp, which tells me if he was to become available, he would certainly want to talk to the Bills. But you're asking for a lot to happen uh, for that scenario to even be a possibility at this point. And that's a scenario that would have to happen. I, I, you know, I've kind of analyzed this for anyone, for anyone to take on DeAndre Hopkins. No one's trading for him. It's not happening. No one's trading for him, especially without Arizona. So I think the trades are out of the question, unless Arizona changes their course of action and eats seven to 12 million remaining of his deal. It's not happening for anybody from the bills to any competitor. So I think like the, we need help from Arizona. True. But not if they cut the, the help from Arizona would be cutting the player. Because Kev, that's, he, why I'm, that's why I yeah. don't see it happening because Arizona is not going to help us in a trade. Like you mentioned, They're second not. of all, if they were too stubborn to give them up for whatever might've been on the table during the draft, are they going to be able to swallow their pride and just let him go? Yeah. Because here's, here's, here's the difference. Eating more over his dead cap is different. So eating the 22 million this year and then taking another 10, that means it's a wash for them. They lose the player. They're still paying him $30 million this year and they get a marginal pick out of it. The difference being if you cut him in seven days, you have to pay only 11 this year and 11 next year. So it's a lot different than 30. You're still so you're putting at- that $11 million into next season when when you don't they need w- to. They, they, they would have anyways by trading him. So if you trade him, you generate 11 into next season regardless. So if you trade him at any at any stage and get a draft pick for him, you have $11 million next year on your dead cap. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Looking for health insurance coverage? Medical Mutual's individual and family health plans have you covered with $0 select preventive drugs, $0 on-demand telemedicine, a wellness rewards program, and access to thousands of health care providers located throughout Ohio. Plus, most plans include MedMutual Pet, a pet wellness service at no additional cost. You also may qualify for subsidies that can be used to help pay your monthly premium. Visit MedMutual.com slash ACA to find a plan today. As of this point. So it's going to be post-June 1st, regardless of cut or trade. The difference being is you're not going to eat any money over that 11 to get it done. So that's going to be what makes this whole thing interesting. And also... The savings this year, $20 million they'd save. That's what the big difference is, Mike. Cutting him saves them $20 million this year. 
that they can roll in how the cap works. You can roll over any remaining salary caps. They're not going to use that 20 this year. They're not competitive. They're going to roll that 20 million next year and have a very big cap number to help Kyler Murray in rebuilding. That's the encouraging part from the Arizona perspective is I'm not going to eat an additional eight to 12. I'm going to roll that 20 million over next year that I'm saving from him. Subtract it from that 11 that I got to eat now next year. And it's really positive nine plus $9 million by cutting him June 1st. So that's the theory is that you don't have to pay him in actual cash. You save a bunch of cap this year in case you ever needed that they wouldn't, but then you get to roll over $20 million next year. And realistically minus 11, you'd have a $9 million savings that you netted and not have to pay real cash. That's the benefit to them. They don't want to then take that 9 million and then give it to the bills or the chiefs. Um, they want to actually have that positive $9 million from the player. That would be why they would cut the player. Um, and I get that, Kev. I just – my feeling is this. Where is the actual speculation from – for him. like DeAndre Hopkins getting traded coming him. from? Himself. Arizona even want to get rid of him. See, like right. we keep saying – we keep connecting dots. We hear – Bills are interested in Von uh, in DeAndre Hopkins. We see DeAndre Hopkins literally name the Bills Josh Allen. Uh, yes. Point his head Kansas City in a, a video earlier. So we know DeAndre Hopkins is definitely open to the possibility of coming to Buffalo, but we don't know if Arizona is really honestly willing to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Buda Baker requested a trade back in February. They have not honored that request either. Yes, they're going to probably suck this year with Kyler Murray out, uh, out injured. But that doesn't mean, like, I know DeAndre Hopkins is getting a little up there in age, and that realistically, is he going to be part of a winner in Arizona anytime soon? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that this new management team looks at the situation and says, we want to trade you or we want to get rid of you. They could look at it as, we're on a team that's going to be horrible next year. And he's one of our few stars that we can market and actually use to sell tickets and get fan base, our fan base excited. The, there is a, the, the marketing side and the making money side of this as well. Not all teams care about is the product on the field or the financials in that area. So yes, from the football standpoint, and it, it seems obvious that Arizona should move on from him. I don't know if I trust that that's a competent enough organization to be putting the product on the field first and foremost, especially when we just saw what the players uh, on the Cardinals have ranked their organization. They were the second, I think, second worst ranked team in the league to play for based on numerous different criteria. So we, when we're assuming Arizona is going to do the, the right thing, I, I think that's a little bit too much uh, at this point. Yeah, and that, that score that is what the new Monty is in for, what they want to have happen, though, is that score to get better. And by holding players hostage is not going to make that score happier. What you want to do with this cap space I'm referring to, if you're Arizona, is build the roster and get free agents and target trade candidates. You're not going to be able to do that when players that are of high profile like Buda Baker and DeAndre Hopkins are saying, don't go there. They're going to take you hostage. You're going to, you know, they don't do what's right by the player. At some point, Ozen Fort has to do what's right by the player. If the player doesn't want to play there, they're rebuilding. Um, they're going to have to do right by the player. And I think that the benefit to Arizona would be, as I told, you know, we kind of already talked about that $9 million positive on their cap next year that they get to roll into. And then all the cash that they save that they can then hopefully sink into 
whomever they're going to use to grow their organization next year when Kyler Murray's back. That would be the, the, the situation on the Bills end. Let's just say he happens to get caught. Let's just say the Bills ends would be very interested. You'd structure a deal just like OBJ with three to four void years. The way void years work is they're a holder on your cap that you can utilize and keep that player for a future years if you'd like, or you let him go and you obviously pay the void, you pay whatever's there. So teams like the Ravens are holding OBJ on the cap a little bit, knowing that they can work out a, a deal beyond this year, and it really not hurts you with those kicking the can down the road, road years. The Bills can do the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, where he has a few void years that they can actually utilize if he determines to be a really good piece of the offense that they can sign for his remaining years in the league. So it does leave you cut. That is all Arizona needs to do. They're not going to take money. They're not going to do it. So the only other way they can help you is to cut the player because then you can structure a deal that doesn't need 70 restructures. You would, you would structure a deal that has some void years in it. That's incentive based. The player is going to get paid after he gets cut, whatever guarantees he's owed in escrow. However, everything amounts to, he might be more willing to take a deal with a contender with some void years and some incentives, et cetera. So that's my spiel on him. Um, and what would that do? I don't know. What would make someone like Khalil Shakir expendable that the Bills could go recoup a draft pick for if they traded him later? So you can do some. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do, but that would be something that you could entertain then. You could trade from the O-line. You could trade from the receiver room because that's how good you would be in those units. So, Mike, let's talk about the AFC East now, though. Um, you know, I could talk. We could talk receiving all day, just like we could every day. Uh, but I do think it's something to monitor. And I do think where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to um, the um, when it comes to the um, the way that this is going to go down. So, Mike, the AFC East out of the out of New York, they're all happy. They think they're a top five team. We already see an Aaron Rodgers ankle calf injury. And we see Alan Lazard go down. Sure, I don't think it's going to be severe. You never know what those things linger. Calf injuries can be scary into Achilles. Oof, that would be something. Um, Mike, what is your feeling? We're going to talk about the Jets first. They decided to go another pass rusher in Will McDonald, a guy that actually got um, manhandled by Richard Garage at the Senior Bowl, the Bills' undrafted free agent from Florida who played with Osiris Torrance at left tackle while he was the right guard. So, Garage actually had a really good senior bowl and, um, you know, we'll see if he's going to make a push for the, for the team as well, but they went there because they got jumped for an offensive tackle. That offensive line is not great to me. They have some big question marks to tackle with some injuries and some old players. Obviously we know the, the headline moves that they made. Do you think the jets it's their turn to be right up there with the bills? Give me, give me your opinion of the New York jets as pertains to the AFC East. I think they're a legitimate threat to the bills to win the division. I know a lot of Bills fans don't agree with that, but I picked the Bills to go 12 and 5 this year. And I honestly think the Jets are going to be a 10 to 11 win team. So I, I think when you when you look at it, this is going to be a race between these two teams heading into late December, um, maybe even to the final week of the season. Uh, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy and, and the Jets defense continues to play at the high level that they played last year. And I hear a lot of people saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is a 40-year-old quarterback. You got him on the downside of his career. Well, we'll see. We'll see if that's the case. He's won two of the last three MVPs. Obviously, last year was not a great season for him, but he lost Devontae Adams, did not have the same uh, group of weapons that he was accustomed to having uh, at Green Bay. And he had 12 interceptions, which is not something 
that is typical for Aaron Rodgers. He's normally a low interception player, around five or six per year. If he gets back to his his normal numbers for interceptions, six to eight range, uh, and throws for 30 touchdowns, the Jets are going to win a lot of games with this defense. Now, I, I don't know if I would say the Jets are a Super Bowl contender yet, so that, that's why I'd still have them a tier beneath the Bills. But I, I do think it's fair to say the Jets could be a top five to ten team in football uh, this upcoming season because you look at what Rodgers has now that he didn't have last year in Green Bay. First of all, he has an elite defense with this Jets team. And a lot of people will say, well, defense in the NFL is something that you can't really promise is going to be consistent year to year because there's a lot of outliers, a lot of factors that go into defense. Well, one of the things that uh, predicts defensive success on a year-to-year basis, um, turnovers is the unreliable number. The Jets were a great defense in spite of not great takeaway numbers. If they can improve their takeaway numbers this next year, that would actually help, could help them potentially improve defensively. Guys like Sauce Gardner, Quinnen Williams, those are elite-level defensive players. You add now Rodgers to that offense, offense that had Zach Wilson and Mike White and some of the worst quarterback play in the league last year. You have a solid, solid young wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. You have Brees Hall in your backfield. I do think the Jets are going to be pretty good. And I, I know the national media is going to overhype them and say, oh, they're going to win the AFC East. That's a little premature. But I don't think it's out of the discussion that they could push the Bills uh, and that it could it could go down to the wire between these two teams. Mm, that's interesting, Mike. Are you worried about the age of Aaron Rodgers? Are you worried about him being over? Not at all. Okay. Like every, here, here's the thing. You can normally tell like when a quarterback is starting the decline. Peyton Manning, when he started his his dip, the spiral wasn't there anymore. Uh, it, it went down quickly, downhill really quickly. And that final year, he still won a Super Bowl thanks to uh, Denver having just a dominant defense. But with, with Tom Brady, you still saw him have some juice on the ball. You still saw him with the accuracy. You saw him being able to use his weapons to his advantage. I People are going to say that Rodgers stunk last year. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I still, I'm pretty sure it's still 3,800 yards passing right around that. And I think it was something like 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. I don't have, like I said, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But that's still not a bad season. People are acting like he sucked last year. He didn't suck. He just wasn't up to the Aaron Rodgers standard that he had set in the past. If Aaron Rodgers this year for the Jets throws for 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions, this Jets team is going to win 10 games with that defense. So what I what I think people need to, to realize is Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers for the Jets to be good. He just needs to not suck at this point. If they get the MVP Rodgers of the past, then the Jets could be absolutely on the same tier as the Bills. But a lot is going to be uh, a lot is going to be determined based on the two matchups head to head. Are the Bills going to be able to split those two? Will they? Will the Bills sweep the Jets, or will the Jets sweep the Bills? What happens in those two matchups? I think could have a large impact on who wins the AFC East this year. Yeah, I mean, many would say though the decline has already started from twenty-seven and four to twenty-six and twelve. People would have said that about Tom Brady, though, heading into Tampa Bay. Brady's last season in New England was a very poor season. 
Freddie was not getting it done. But what was the reason? The reason was he had horrible, horrible playmakers when he was in New England his final season. Then he got situated with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, brought back Gronk, and then we started seeing some of the old Brady again. Now, is this a long-term solution? No way in hell. Uh, is it guaranteed to work? Not going to go that far either. I just think when people are wor- are talking about 40-year-old quarterback, we're not talking about your normal 40-year-old quarterback. We're talking about someone that, even at his worst, is probably going to throw 25 touchdowns and close to 4,000 yards. Compare that to what the Jets were getting out of Zach Wilson and Mike White. They couldn't even throw uh, first downs half the time. The, the, the level of incompetence of the Jets quarterbacking was incredible last year. In I, I do see RJ's comment here about the Jets defense. Yes, they they were historically healthy last year, and uh, they weren't as good as the Bills DVOA. So I'm not saying that the Jets are monsters on defense. I'm just saying they got a lot of good young talent on that defense, and they were able to give Josh problems. And if they can just stay around that mark going forward, that will be – a tough team for anyone in the league to go up against. It's a, I'm not saying they're going to be 13 and four. I, I'm not one of those guys that has the jets at that level yet, but I do think nine to 11 wins is probably that, that range that I'm expecting for the jets. We're going to bring in producer AJ to discuss his thoughts on the AFC East and the jets as the topic that we begin. AJ, what's your opinion of Mike's comments um, do you think that it's actually declined? Do you think that they're worrisome? Do you take into account the historically healthy team, the DVOA, the, the lack of missed games by their defense? They can't bank on that again. What are your opinions um, of what's going on there and kind of the first day, kind of tumultuous day in New York? Yeah, I mean, every year is different in terms of like injury-wise. Um, I think guys step up despite injuries like you s- – the Bills had a lot of injuries in the defense last year, and they still found guys to step up. And actually, McDermott talked a lot a lot about that today in his press conference, like counting on young guys to step up. I mean, the Jets, yeah, they were historically healthy, but I think they have – I'm not sure exactly what their depth is, but I'm sure there are guys on that roster that will be able to step up if they lose, you know, maybe a Sauce Gardner and a Quinn Williams, that'd be different. But if they lose, you know, a couple of pieces on the defense, I don't think it would be the end of the world because they are talented. Um, and then going to the conversation of the AFC East, I think – Mike's comments are, you know, true. I, I think he, they can win the division. I think there is that possibility. Um, and he makes a good point about the time Brady. Like, I, I don't think Rodgers had any really good outside talent. You know, Christian Watson, uh, Dobbs had a couple breakout games. But you were looking at A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones kind of carrying that offense due to the lack of playmakers on the outside. Um, the biggest question mark for me, Kevin, you've talked about it a lot, is that offensive line. Um, are they going to be able to protect Rodgers – Will Rogers, you know, I'm not really questioning Rogers' talent because I think he still has it. The thing I'm questioning, and people get mad at me for it, but I don't care, is his desire to like be great and win. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't have that, and I'm sure he's a very competitive guy. But at the same time, like he's he's older. He's he was apparently 90% retired, which probably wasn't the truth. Um, but I, I just I don't know how bought in he is. I mean, I think Nate Hackett and them you know, get bringing in Randall Cobb and all these guys, Alan Lazard to make him happy. Maybe we'll help with that. But I don't know for a 17 game season and a playoff stretch, if he can at his age with, you know, kind of his, he's kind of like on and off with, if he wants to play or not every off season for the last couple of years, how about it? How bought in is he 
Um, that's the biggest question mark for me. But, I mean, you can really truly make an argument that the Jets got way better this offseason and realistically could win this division. I don't think it'll happen, but I will listen to it, and I will disagree with you, but I'll totally understand where you're coming from. I think the biggest thing that's going to be difficult for the Jets is getting out to a good start, a hot start. Rodgers has struggled in his openers the past couple of seasons. And if we go back to Brady as a, a reference when he went to Tampa Bay, they, he got off to a slow start with the Bucs in his first year. They were, I think, seven and six through 13 games. And then they just took off and didn't lose a, a game, I believe, the rest of the year from that point on and won the Super Bowl as a wild card. I think it's fair to, I don't want to say assume, but I, I think it's fair to think that Rodgers could get off to a slow start with the Jets this year based on uh, acclimating to a new team, uh, a new roster. Obviously, he has Hackett, so he has some familiarity with um, him as an offensive coordinator and some of the guys that they brought in. But Reimagine this holiday season with more capability and more adventure in Kia's EverReady lineup. This winter, gift yourself what you really want during Kia's Season of Giving Back sales event. Kia is offering great deals on the capable Sorento and the spacious Sportage, and deals on even more vehicles like the all-electric EV6 and the fun-to-drive Forte. So visit your local Kia dealer and explore all your newfound possibilities by enjoying Kia's Season of Giving Back. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event ends one With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With a move like Rodgers, while the fans are all going to be talking about, oh, they have to win the division now, like the Bills are on the way down. It, to me, it really doesn't – the Jets really don't have to make to win the division. They just have to make the playoffs and then be playing playing their best football in January, December and January. If the Jets go 10-7 and seven and they get the first or second wild card and they play a team like Jacksonville on the road in the first round or they, they play the Bills – uh, and Jan- in January in Orchard Park, they still have a good chance, as good of a chance as anybody to make a run based on matchups. So uh, a lot of people are going to get too concerned and too focused on who's going to win the AFC East for the home field advantage. My focus for the Bills or the Jets is I, I don't, if the Bills are the five or the Jets are the five, it doesn't really change a ton to me. I still think either one of these teams can go on a run in the playoffs because they both have that elite playmaking quarterback Rodgers could have an average season for all I care when you get to the postseason he gives you a shot so I think that's the most important thing I I know he has AJ I saw the the eye roll right there but uh, Rodgers is one of those guys he hasn't turned it into Super Bowls but he gives you a shot and and that's my main takeaway from the Jets being able to get him is they're hoping that at least in this next one two I don't know, maybe three-year window that he gives them an opportunity or two of making a run. I think for me, the thing that I'm I'm struggling with is the mentality of being 90% retired in his words, um, <laughs> going to a dark cave, doing drugs for better or for worse. Doesn't, I don't know. I don't do any of that. I stuff, just don't so believe not... he was 90% retired. I don't, he, I don't what he says is, doesn't mean it's reality. 
Brett okay. Favre did the same stuff for all these years, and he would always come back. Rodgers could have simply said that to try to force the Packers' hand into trading him. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, but I just think for me, I'm going to go off of the stats decline. It's enough of a decline to me that his pinpoint accuracy was gone. He threw 12 interceptions. His interceptions are down. Same same weapons with Garrett Wilson. So, I mean, it's the same weapons. It's Lazard. It's I, I don't think it's too much of an upgrade to me. The tight end room isn't anything. Then He's not going to have the running backs to, deli- uh, to, to rely on like he did in Green Bay. We'll see when Brees Hall is back. Uh, at what stage he's back. The offensive line has major question marks and the defense will see if they stay healthy at a historic rate. Maybe they do. Um, and for me, I got him winning nine games. And that's where I'm go- going to. I think he's a plus two games swing. Um, that's where I have the Jets finishing right now, uh, nine and eight and third in the AFC East. And we're going to go to the second place team, in my opinion, it's the Miami Dolphins and it's to attack of Viola looking very good uh, in OTAs. Looks like he's a little heavier. Uh, look, look like he got a little more muscle. He's actually got those premier offensive weapons, in my opinion, and a premier offensive coach, in my opinion. Um, you know, they've upgraded across that defense, uh, much needed. They actually obviously went to Fangio. They made some changes there defensively. I think truly they're the true threat to the Bills, um, you know, with, you know, Jalen Waddle, Tariq Hill. Um, you know, obviously their running game of Moster, Jeff Wilson, Devin A-Chain, they took in the third round. Uh, so to me that that running game could get itself going again. And, you know, the question mark, there's similar story there. They didn't have much of a draft, obviously, with the acquisitions of Bradley Chubb and Jalen Ramsey. We'll see if they're able to continue that offensive line with Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. That's had some problems in the past. That's kind of the same question mark, in my opinion. They don't have much at the tight end position, Durham Smythe, Eric Sauber, Tyler Croft. So there's not really a ton there on the tight end position. So there's not really anyone to scare you at that front. Um, you know, going to their defense, you know, we'll see what that front seven's able to do. I think that there's, you know, Christian Wilkins, Bradley Chubb, you know, Jerome Baker. So there's definitely players there. And is that old defensive uh, backfield? you know, with Jalen Ramsey and, you know, Xavier Howard, but they say, you know, Kadir Kahu is, is the next young slot receiver, you know, Snowman Holland, uh, their safety is as good as anyone at the safety position. What are we going to go from there at that point? But AJ real quickly, what, what playoff a rod stats do you have for us? You know, before we kind of break down the dolphins. So he's two, he's two and four in his last six. Um, So, not the best. He lost in the NFC Championship to Atlanta in 2017. And then the last NFC Championship appearance was Tampa Bay, where he actually had a good game, but he lost to Brady. Um, his defense just couldn't get stops. Um, but I just I just got back to, like, San Francisco, where he threw for 225 at home. I know San Francisco has a really good defense, and they're a really good team, but you're the one seed at home. You should be able to defend your, you know, your turf and – win that game if you're he's very talented he's one of the most talented if not the most talented quarterback of all time um but i mean he hasn't actually now looking at the stats hasn't played that bad in the playoffs um i would say not as successful he's he's 12 and 10 in the playoffs in his career so obviously the regular season record compared to the playoff record is and it's hard to win the playoffs but that's another question for me cob and i think we talked about that in spaces once was can he do it like in the big stage I, i know i know he's done it before but 
I just haven't seen that. And he's played kind of underwhelmingly in big games, um, whether it's in the regular season. I mean, he lost to the Lions last year. Kev, you brought that up. Like he needed to win and get in any law. He couldn't beat the Lions. I know they're a good team, but you have to win that game. So that that's the question mark for me with them is Rodgers, how much he wants it. And if, if he's able to win in January and February um, with a new roster and a totally new you know system that he wasn't with, with, you know, in, with angry Bay. I think that's completely fair. You know, since the 2010 win, like you said, um, you know, how much has been there for him? You know, he's lost. He's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's 10 in six since, or excuse me, six and 10 since the Super Bowl. So at some right. point, you know, at some point it's, it's a problem for him. So we'll see what, what happens this year. Now he, now he's only older. I just don't think it's a given that they even make the playoffs. I think they will be competitive. I think they will be there. It's definitely a step up. I'm pretty confident saying they'll have a winning record, um, but I, I do have them. And I, and I still have the top competitor to this division a, aforementioned to the Miami Dolphins. Mike, what's your opinion of the Miami Dolphins, the roster I kind of just la- la- labeled off? Where do you put them in comparison to the Bills and Jets? I think they're a step below the Jets, but it could go either way. I, I look at the Dolphins and I see a 9-10 type win team. Uh, that could be a little bit better potentially. I was high on the Dolphins last year, Kev. I was one. I was hammered by it all offseason for picking the Dolphins to be a playoff team. I said that they would be electric with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I said that Tua would look like a starting, a solid starting quarterback with those guys around him. While all of Bills Mafia was making fun of his arm strength and talking down Tua and taking the Dolphins for granted, I was respecting. Miami and if Tua didn't get hurt last year and have his trainers neglect his health uh, early in the season at following the concussion presumed concussion against the Bills I think the Dolphins could have had a much scarier season uh, in the division last year you think about what their record was with Tua and what their record without Tua was they essentially only finished with the, the bad record they had because Tua missed time if they didn't have Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson playing games, they were probably going to be an 11-win team last year. And fans are going to make fun of how they ended the season poorly. But how would the Bills have done if they would have had to play four or five games with Case Keenum starting last year? Bills wouldn't have been a 13-3 and team. So uh, anybody that got joy out of that, um, I-, I think two approved, he, he is – a solid quarterback. Now, where will Tua be this year? Is he a top 10 quarterback? I don't know if I would say that, but he's definitely on that that 8 to 13 discussion now. He's no people thought it was crazy when I said he was 15 to 17 last year. Uh but Tua showed with the weapons he has, he can he can have success and that the Dolphins are capable of putting up points on the board. Now, <clears throat> the reason I don't have them on the Jets tier uh overall is because I do have more faith in one of the all-time greats in Aaron Rodgers than I do Tua overall. And I do trust the Jets defense more than I trust the Dolphins defense. Uh, Miami, I mean, you if you just look at Miami and New York and how they, they compare to the Bills or how they have faced the Bills last year, they both split, split with Buffalo. New York did it because their defense gave Allen and the Bills' offense a lot of str- a lot of trouble. We we struggled to score against the Jets, but we were able to shut down the Jets' offense for the most part. 
Miami, it was almost the exact opposite. We could move the ball left and right on Miami, but sometimes we struggled to, to finish drives. Obviously, the game in Miami where uh, the heat and the injuries all uh, played a factor. And then turnovers were a tremendous issue against Miami with the, the aggressiveness that they, they brought, especially in the playoff game where they played their way back into it. So I think you look at Miami and the Jets and you're looking at one of the better two, three teams um, for teams that could finish second or third in their division in all the NFL. I, I, I personally think the AFC East might be the best division in football this year. You look at ESPN's football power index. The Bills are number two. The Jets are number six. Miami is ninth. And New England is 16th. That's a stacked division right now. So just, just assuming the Bills are going to roll through it and win 13, 14 games, that, especially when they're playing teams like Kansas City, Cincinnati, uh, and Jacksonville and in other head-to-head matchups, Gross. it's not going to be easy. It, it, it's it's possible you could have three 10-win teams in this division this year. Not going to pick that, but it's possible. And I'm just going to add to Mike's point. Um, I, I think I, I have him a notch below and be, because of the – I think I trust Rodgers more than Tua, just like Mike said. But there was also a stretch last year when Tua, I think, was on the field well, the Dolphins struggled. Um, they lost to the Niners 33-17, lost to the Chargers by six, lost to the Bills by three, lost to the Packers by six. That's when, like, Tua had that little injury. I think that's when he kind of got hurt, and they, they ended up losing to New England uh, the next week by two. So I've never – I've seen Tua, you know, start off hot, play well. But when it kind of counted later in the year, late November, December, from the only sample size we really have, it, he wasn't that great. Um he had his moments, he had his throws, but if you take away the middle of the field on him and make him, you know, go through his reads, I, I don't know if I trust him. Um, you know, he's got a great deep ball. His elusiveness scares me. His durability scares me. I know in those videos from, you know, OTAs today, he looked a little bigger, but that, that just scares me more than what the Jets have going on. Like I said, like you said, Mike, the Jets have a better defense. I think Tyree Kill and Jalen Wilder are talented, but I, I just – I haven't seen Tua do it in November, December when it counted and they lost, you know, they dropped five in a row and that, you know, that's the reason they were the seventh seed in the playoffs. They could have made a run of the division. AJ, that's a fair point. But if people are going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers' regression and how we stepped backwards last year, we also have to talk about Tua's progression and how we took a step forward last year. We're criticizing Aaron Rodgers – and last year in seven, I don't know how many games he played, but Rodgers had the 26 touchdowns, the 12 interceptions, the 3,800 yards. Right. Tua in 13 games last year, and in these games, he had a, he didn't play all the full games in all these contests. Threw for 3,548 yards, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Over the course of a full season, Tua would have projected for around 33 touchdowns and around 11 interceptions. If you just heard random quarterback throws for 4,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, you're thinking that's a top five quarterback in football. He had the number three ranked QBR last year at 68.8. He was completing 65% of his passes. The one thing people said he couldn't do was his arm strength for the deep ball. He was completing deep balls at one of the highest rates in the league went healthy last year. I'm not saying he has a cannon. I'm not sh- saying that he, he leads receivers with his arm strength. But when you have guys that are getting as wide open as Tyree Kill 
and Jalen Waddle. Sometimes you don't need a cannon. Sometimes the underthrown ball works just as good for pass interference and other things. So, yes, I'll, I'll agree with you that Tua did have some back-to-earth moments late in the season when they lost to San Fran, the Chargers, uh, the Bills, and then Green Bay. But we have to remember that Green Bay game on, on Christmas, a lot of those interceptions were late in the fourth quarter after he took a hit where he, he, he hit his head once again. So that was three interceptions there. You take He was obviously concussed at that point in time. You take away those interceptions, he ends the year with basically a 5-1 a to one TD to interception ratio, which anybody would say is stellar. The loss against the Bills, let's be real, he threw for 234 yards and two touchdowns, and Miami was right in that game uh, to the, the final moments. In fact, they had a drive where they probably could have put the Bills away on that Saturday night game. And if Tua had played in the playoff game against the Bills, I think it's safe to say that the Dolphins might have won that game uh, with the way that the Bills were turning the ball over late and making mistakes left and right. So Miami is one of those teams where I look at them talent-wise and I say the Bills are better. We are we're better where we match up well. The only issue is it seems like every time the Bills play Miami, it's a situation of where we jump out to a quick lead or – the Bills are outgaining them by 200 yards, but the final score is always close. So Miami just has that. They're just able to give us enough fits. So if two is healthy, they could be a threat. But he's always one hit away from missing a, a good amount of games, especially with how their, their medical team handled last year. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do uh, and how they handle his his health-related situations going forward. Because if we're going to presume he had three concussions last year, that's going to be something that will always be with him the rest of his career. What rebuttal, AJ? What do you got for us? No, I was just he kind of he kind of covered it. I was just going to like against the Chargers, he threw for um, a, a defense that we've talked about I think, on the show before that we don't know if they're you know proven enough to. Um, you know, okay. hang with the best. He threw for 40, he had 35% completion percentage, 140 yards, and a touchdown loss, 23 17. Um, and then obviously the Green Bay game, that was where the hit took place, where he was just, he says, I think apparently he didn't remember some of his throws. And the San Fran game, um, yes. you know, he had the two, t- t- two, two touchdowns, two picks. Mike, I agree with your point. He had a really good year last year, but I'm still concerned with how he can do in down the stretch in November, December. Because look at like, look at guys like Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. Like they're winning games consistently, no matter who the opponent is, around that time of the year. Um, you know, the Bills might have their blunders. the The Chiefs might have their blunders. They might lose to the Colts early in the season, but when it matters late, they get it done. I just don't know if two is ready for that yet. Well, that's why we both have Miami a tier below the Bills, right? Uh, but Miami has built a solid roster surrounding Tua, which can sometimes let them make up for his faults or lack of talent in certain areas. I will say this, that that Sunday night game against the Chargers was a horrible performance, no doubt about it. But Brandon Staley did have a master defensive game plan there. What he did against Tua was something that teams weren't really doing much early in the season. I, I guess San Fran was doing a little bit, forcing the outside throws, taking away the middle of the field. But I ask you this, the Bills played Tua the very next week. In a snow, well, it was supposed to be a snow game. It didn't really end up being a snow game until late. And the Bills, while they did take away things at times, did allow a couple big plays as well still. So 
And the Bills had the number two ranked DVOA defense last year. So in an important game, the Bills still struggled to contain Tua in that in that situation. I'm not gonna that's I'm not gonna say Tua's great. That's why I have him in the eight to twelve range. But he is good enough where you can win with him because he knows how to get the ball to his weapons. Nobody's confusing Tua with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, because those are all guys that elevate the rest of the players around him. But Tua is certainly a guy where if you surround him with talent, he's good enough to use those players and get in and help elevate the team. If you don't surround him with talent, obviously Tua is not the guy that's going to elevate a bunch of mid-tier guys, but he's also not the bottom tier that can't execute even when given weapons surrounding him. Very interesting. I have the Dolphins finishing 10 and 8. Um, I have them right there, kind of right there, not 10 and seven, excuse me, right there, um, competing with the division and in the playoffs. So that's kind of where I wrap with them 10 and seven, nine and eight for the jets. Um, lastly, I think a team we probably all agree is in fourth place in the division in most situations. Maybe if one of the other two teams we just talked about has a really down year, the new England Patriots, Mac Jones, will we see Bailey Zappi this year? Did they do enough? to compete with the two teams we had just mentioned. It doesn't seem like it as of right now, but that's not accounting the wild card, Bill Belichick, Christian Gonzalez, Keon white, a couple of good additions there. Uh, Marte Mapu, a guy I really like. Will we see the, you know, kind of the continued pass rusher, Matthew Judon get after it. You know, they really like Kyle Duggar a lot. I don't think the secondary is nearly as good as it's been, but that's, you know, now they added Christian Gonzalez. So we'll see what he can come in and do. They always seem to have a solid offensive line. Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Michael uh, Unwanyu, and Riley Reef. Um, so it's going to be a competitive and decent offensive line. Adding, you know, Tyquan Thornton last year in the draft, Juju Smith-Schuster this year, Devontae Parker last year, uh, Keyshawn Boutte uh, as well, you know, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. Some talent, but ultimately the fourth place team in this division. I have them being competitive. Still taking a game from the Jets. I have them going eight and nine, one game away from the New York Jets in this division. And I think that they'll put some games together and I think they'll go two and four in the division. But ultimately with the schedule that all four of these teams have, it's not going to be enough for them to secure a wild card. Mike, what do you, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, the Patriots are definitely the easy fourth fourth place pick in this division right now. It's going to be interesting what, we see from them this year because it feels like their floor is always around seven to eight wins. Even when the Patriots are struggling, they, they find a way to get to that point. But I could see them being a little bit beneath that this year, Kevin, with the, with how strong the AFC is and the competition throughout the conference and in the division at the current point in time, I could see the Patriots being a five, six win team. Uh, I know the football power index that ESPN has um, ranks the Patriots 16th in the NFL. But want to know something interesting, Kev? It has nine of the top 13 teams in the NFL coming out of the AFC. So the football power index has the Patriots fighting for basically 10th or 11th place in the AFC at the current moment in time. Do you get up to eight, nine wins with this AFC when you're that low 
uh, in the conference. That that could be a challenge for them this year, especially with the the division playing the NFC East and not really getting a ton of freebies um, in the interconference matchups as well. I look at New England and I see a team that won a couple of years ago because they basically rookie proof things for Mac Jones and they had a tremendous defense last year. They tried to, I don't know, bring in a, a more complicated NFL offense, but that failed miserably. Maybe shouldn't have had a two uh, defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator fighting over the offensive coordinator position, but they failed Mac Jones horribly last year. And, and now you look at the core quarterback position in new England, how is that going to lead to wins? They're going to have to, rely on running the ball and playing great defense once again. And I just don't think that's going to get it done in this, this conference when you have guys like Burrow, Mahomes, Rogers, Allen, Tua, uh, Herbert, it goes on and on and on. Like I, I, like I would rather see Jimmy Garoppolo in new England if they wanted to have mm. a winner than have Mac Jones mm. right now. So I, I really think this could be the year where they finally have things hit rock bottom and win five to six games. I don't know if I'd predict it, but uh, I definitely think it could bottom out. A lot of predictions six to, in the six to seven win range for the Patriots. I have them at eight. I think you get a what one game bonus with Bill Belichick as the best coach ever. AJ, what are you? What are your thoughts on the Patriots as we kind of wrap up the AFC East? Yeah, I could see Kevin. I'm kind of with you. Like I think eight might be like a little generous, but I could see like seven to eight wins. Like eight eight, eight wins isn't crazy. I think they're a talented enough team and coached well enough to steal games from teams. You you see it all the time every year. Like. Thinking about the AFC West last year and trying to predict that division and like how it turned out, everyone thought the Raiders are going to be pretty good. Um, the Broncos were going to be this astonishing team. So until you see it happen, um, I think they have a good enough roster to win games. It's not like it's a bad roster. It's not the best, but um, especially compared to the rest of the AFC East, but they could win a couple of games in the division. Um, I, I think the days where I think the Bills each year have kind of distanced themselves from the Patriots in terms of like their like their games. I feel like each year it kind of the Bills get a little more comfortable playing them. I think that they're like there was a time period like every time they played the Patriots, no matter what, it was kind of like, oh no, it's New England. I don't care. It's like it's still New England. I, I know Brady's not there anymore, but I feel like they're kind of past that and they've kind of proven that after you know they came to our place and beat us fourteen to ten in that debacle of the game where they didn't throw the ball. They went back to New England. Josh Allen played, played a great game and then they had the perfect offensive game. Um, so yeah, I think they could steal games. They're, they're very well coached. Juju's a nice addition. Um, they have a okay receiving core. Ramondre Stevenson's a great, great player. Um, Gusecki's always given the bills fits. Um, so yeah, I, I could see them seven, eight wins. Maybe they sneak in the playoffs. They get hot and Mac Jones plays really well. Um, but yeah, I'd say they're the fourth best team in this division as it stands. Roy's Roy's got a good prediction. I like Roy's prediction. It's very close to mine. It's a game off on the Pats game or two off on the Pats and, um, really that's essentially what I have almost down to the T. Uh, it's a good prediction, Roy. He has the Bills 13 and four, the Finns 11 and six, Jets 9 and eight, Pats 6 and 11. Uh, I think that that's pretty interesting. Someone's got to take the losses, I will say, if the division's good. Will New England be the team? I do believe that they could be more. I, I think they have eight. I think they steal a couple, but there's, there's a real possibility they are in the six win range if they don't steal. Uh, some of the games I'm predicting them to steal. Uh, so I think as a unit, uh, let's go through it real quickly. I have the Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. I think Mike and AJ have the Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. Um, so we're fairly close on the rankings. I'll, I'll say this. I have the Bills going 12 and 5. The Jets, if I had to pick it, I'm saying 10 or 11 wins. I'll, I'll, 
I'll say 11 just for this exercise. And I'll have okay. the Dolphins at nine. I, I think when you look at this division, there's three teams that are in this division that should expect to be competing for a playoff spot entering the season. There, there's three fan bases in this league that think they're going to the playoffs this upcoming season. There's two fan bases that are, are expecting to compete for a Super Bowl, although one of those fan bases is, is irrational at the current moment. Uh, and, and maybe Dolphins fans think they can, they can compete for a Super Bowl, but I, I just don't think they have a complete enough team to be there. It would not surprise me if the Jets or Dolphins uh, flip-flopped either way. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins finish ahead of the Jets. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets finish ahead of the Dolphins. The one thing I do not expect, I don't expect Miami to win the AFC East this year. Okay. I think the Jets have an outside chance. Yeah, I don't, think the, I don't think the Dolphins or Pats have much of a chance, so I agree with that. And, so. and the main reason being, I think Dolphins, the Dolphins would need to have two of playing, and it, they, he would need to be extremely healthy all season. He would need to be just as effective as he was last year. And I think they would, they would need their defense to take another step forward. The Jets, while they might not be an 11-12 and 12 win team, depending on how, what version of Rodgers we see, I think worst-case scenario, the Jets are still probably a top-15 offense, and their defense is probably still top-10 to 15 uh, defense if they struggle. So if, if the Jets – Worst case scenario, have two top 15 units on offense and defense. They have that upside potential to where they could give the Bills problems if everything came together for them. Uh, I, I think most of us aren't expecting it all to click year one with Rodgers. But if it does, that's the doomsday scenario where they could sneak in and win the division. Yeah, I think there's a greater chance. I think there's a greater chance the Dolphins don't make the playoffs than win the division. Uh, I still think there's obviously an outside chance they win the division just because they have a lot of talent. And if Tua can put it together for a whole season and stay healthy, they're pretty good. Um, but I, I see. I still think there's a better chance they don't make the playoffs. I, I think all three could. The only problem with that is it's so hard in today's NFL to get three teams from the same division in. So, I mean, unless, unless, the, unless the Miami Dolphins and Jets dominate their – you know, who do we play this year? The South, um, the NFC East. Unless they re do really well against those divisions, it, I, I, it's hard for me to see a path where both of them make it uh, in the wild card, okay. assuming the Bills win the division. And, and, and to say one more thing, when you have a conference as loaded as the AFC is this year, there are going to be teams <coughs> that going into the season that you believe are going to be loaded that are going to end up having a 7-10 and 10 record, an 8-9 and nine record out of nowhere. Because there's only so many good teams record-wise that you can have at the end of the season. Just like the NFC, right now it looks horrible. There's going to be some team, random team, that we're not expecting anything from uh, that will end up winning 10-11 games this year in that conference. And some of us are going to make the mistake that they're a very good team. Minnesota Vikings had a great record last year. They suck. But they played in a weak, weak conference. So they took advantage of that. There's going to be teams – like maybe the Cleveland Browns, possibly Miami Dolphins. It could be um, New England Patriots where maybe they are good this year and they, they still end up with a bad record. And uh, just to go one step further, there's people that think that the Denver Broncos could actually be halfway decent this year if, uh, if Russell Wilson is good. So that would just add another team into the mix. When you're talking, there's 14 playoff teams. There's seven in each conference. And FPI thinks that nine of the top 13 teams 
are in your conference. Basically, the, the deeper numbers are saying that there's two teams that are playoff worthy in our conference that are going to be on the outside looking in at the end of the year. Fair enough. Uh, it's going to be a tough division, one that we'll talk about the majority of the offseason this year. And it's going to be a wild ride. We'll see how this finishes out. We'll see who's got the takes. I seem to be higher on the Dolphins. Mike and AJ seem to be a little bit higher on the Jets. We all are seem to be on the same page for the most part with the, the Patriots, so not too much discrepancy there. So we'll have to revisit, chop some of this up, and see who's the right fit. Uh, come maybe in November, it'll be fun to kind of reevaluate what happens. But these are looking at, on paper, fully healthy rosters. We'll see when push comes to shove. Rodgers late in the year with a banged up, potentially if he has a banged up team himself, or maybe he doesn't. We'll see if what two is able to do with his weapons or without them. So it's going to be a really fun thing to track based on these rosters and which quarterback is able to, to get it done. I have Josh Allen, Tua, Aaron Rodgers, and then Mac Jones as my rankings. And somehow that correlates exactly with the order that I have um, uh, the, the team's finishing. AJ. These are our QB wins are stat, right, Kev? That's why? QB wins... I believe that QB wins are correlated to how good the quarterback is. So I do believe the team wins are correlated to uh, how good your quarterback is, period. AJ, what do you got for us? I just want to thank you guys. Um, this is my last show. Um, and I just wanted to thank you guys for everything. It's been a, it's been a very fun couple months here and uh, I'll always appreciate it. Thanks AJ. Thanks really AJ. Having you on. Uh, we'll see what your journey and future endeavors hold for you. Uh, in your Bills career. I don't think this is the last we'll see you around the market. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the plan. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see what happens. See what happens for AJ. Appreciate it. And, and, Congratulations. And you saying Tua, you saying Tua, I mean, for my last show, for you to end, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while that you just said Tua is better yeah. than Rodgers. I mean, that's just, that is just crazy to me. But, Hey, today, AJ, today though, you got to preface it with today. I didn't okay. Say I mean, I can see career. the argument. I just still yeah. think Rogers today is better. <laughs> Today, yeah, I just hope AJ remembers us when he makes it in I this know. world, and we're we're the two. We're trying to text him, people. and he's sending us half, you know, emoji responses because that's <laughs> all he can give us. Um, he's definitely yeah. dropping from our group text as soon as this show ends. Absolutely not. I will be. Response. I will be in the going deep uh, production or podcast production, whatever group chat we got going for. It's a fun chat. We're always in there talking. So I'll be, yeah, I'll probably, not, it probably won't be your last show on here, at least as a guest at some point. I'm sure. We'll, yeah. Uh, and I'll have you guys on hopefully when I start my own show someday or hopefully soon, I'll, I'll get you guys on and bring you okay. on. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll always have you as a guest segment. We do big group events. We do big, um, you know, a lot of, have a lot of panelists. So I'm sure those shows will come up as we get closer to the season, the draft, et cetera. So there'll be, there'll be plenty of crossover editions with everything. <laughs> yeah. I got fired. Uh, right. Thanks Tommy. And thanks RJ for the uh, comment. Yeah. And thanks AJ. Congratulations on your, um, your graduation as well. So, with that being said, that that's a wrap on the Tuesday, May 23rd edition of the going deep podcast. Kevin Misery, Mike Bunt, last time with non-producer AJ Sabalski here um, being on the show. I appreciate watching him um, go and do bigger things right underneath us. So thanks, AJ, again for everything you've done. Really appreciate everybody. From the Going Deep Podcast on the Cover One Sports Network, sponsored by Sons of Erie, I'm Kevin, Mike, and AJ. We will catch you guys here for even more discussions as we get into some more mandatory OTAs. And we do have a lot of – still a lot of content coming up here. We got We got – film room coming up we have um ant coming up next so you know tune in for all of our great segments 
and we'll catch you guys right here Tuesdays at 7 all season long. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.